Welcome to the Road to Fueling Better podcast, hosted by registered dietitians Laura Kilkline and Gina Santanello. We created this podcast to debunk diet culture myths, share evidence-based nutrition strategies, and empower you to live your fullest life without restriction. We want to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fit your goals, whether it's optimizing your performance and recovery in the gym or simply learning how to live a healthier lifestyle. We believe that the key to health and fitness success is to build a solid foundation of sustainable habits that support your goals. This not only includes behavior change, but more importantly, mindset change. Together, we've helped hundreds of clients end the yo-yo dieting cycle, improve their relationship with food, hit endless PRs in the gym, and acquire the skills to optimally fuel their bodies, all while enjoying their favorite foods. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you want to learn more, make sure to follow us on Instagram at G underscore the sports RD and at balanced.fueling. And welcome back to the Road to Fueling Better podcast. In this episode, we are talking about all things metabolism. And we wanted to do this episode for a while now. It was on our list back when we did a massive brainstorm way back when. A year and a half ago. Yeah. And this has been an episode we wanted to do because it's definitely a tricky topic and is a big area of confusion. So we're going to set the record straight on metabolism today. Yeah, our last episode, we talked about, uh, you know, the health benefits of exercise that have nothing to do with weight or the scale, and that's where we kind of discussed common misconceptions around the idea of exercising and burning calories. Um, Go listen if you haven't. It's a really good episode, but that's kind of what prompted us to get after this episode was because we see a lot of confusion around you know what calorie burn actually means and the factors that contribute to to this yeah so as we talked about a little bit in that last episode people are focused on calorie burn uh, a lot of the time because of the phrase that you hear a lot calories in calories out or you need to eat less than what you burn in order to lose weight. Um, And so what this is actually referring to is the concept of energy balance. Which, like, let's just say that we went to school for, like, four years to learn energy balance. Like, it's a very complex topic that we're just going to go over, you know, like, the brief, simple... Crash course. Yeah. Um, But... I think it's it's just important to note that because a lot of people think it's that easy. It's just calories in versus calories out. That's how you lose weight. That's what determines weight gain or weight loss, which is true to an extent, but it's just so much more complicated and such a highly misunderstood concept. So we're yeah. going to kind of get into, um, you know, like what this episode really is basically about what calories out are. Yeah. Right? Because we know calories in, it's pretty simple. It's just what you're eating. Calories consumed in a day. Like, yeah. There's one factor that makes up. It's food. Food. Or, or, or drinks. Alcohol, or but... like whatever you are consuming, calories you're consuming, that's what makes that, it makes up the calories in. Yeah. Calories but... out is like a beast of <laughs> so many variables. Um, And it's, you know, this is why it's confusing because it, it kind of is confusing. Like even learning about it in 
in school and and even as a new dietitian like it is it takes a while for us to like wrap our heads around around it. it um because it's one of those things like you can't really visualize it so it's there's just a lot to it so we hope that this episode brings a lot of clear clarity around this so calories out again is a complex process that has a host of variables that are driving it so essentially calories out is formally referred to as total daily energy expenditure which is sometimes um, abbreviated as tdee so this is referring to how many calories you're burning in a day in a 24-hour average day um so and this this come this tdee it's again it's made up of a lot of different variables um, so we're going to kind of talk through what each of the variables are, um, and you know, the components that make up each variable, and then also discuss ways to increase each variable. Because a lot of people, you know, like how many times do we hear like, my metabolism's broken, my metabolism's slow, I have a slow metabolism, I need to fix it. How many products are out on the market that's, you know, these pills, these you. powders to fix, to fix your metabolism or speed it up. Like, it's not that easy, but there are ways to increase your metabolism. Um, your metabolism can't break. It doesn't break. The Its rate can be higher or lower depending um, on, you know, what we're going to get into. Yeah. But there are ways to increase it. So we're going to kind of go through each of those too. Um, so just for clarification, like metabolism and that TDEE or total daily energy expenditure, they're the same thing. Yeah. So, um, that's what we're referring to in this episode. So, um, again, most people think of calorie burn or metabolism and they first thing they tend to think about is, oh, well that's calories I burn during my workouts. Right. And uh, we're going to blow your mind with, you know, yes, that's one factor of many different factors. And um, we actually posted a poll on both of our Instagrams um, asking what percentage of your daily calorie burn do you think is made up by your workouts? So uh, the options were 10%, 25%, 50%, and 75%. And we've gotten answers all over the map about all of them yeah. yeah um and they're drastically different so um you know to clarify by workouts we just mean like your formal workouts like time spent in a gym doing a class uh running you know all that stuff yeah um so most people think it's way higher than it actually is yeah but we're about to blow your mind when we tell you it's 10 percent 10 percent of your total daily energy expenditure is made up by your formal workouts. Yeah, so it is not even close to the majority of your daily calorie burn, you know, 10% of the pie. It's it's a factor, don't get us wrong, but it's not as much as you might think. Yes, Um, so, and you know, we're talking about cardio and resistance training, both, you know, any type of exercise. It's gonna burn on average for an hour of exercise about 200 to 500 calories yeah it's not a big number like that is a a very small number of your total daily Daily, yeah and this is formally referred to as um it's abbreviated as eat 
Um, but it's, which is kind of confusing because you it would is. think that's like food related, but it stands for exercise activity thermogenesis. And just keep in mind without getting too like sciencey that calories are a unit of energy. And so it's, it's basically the energy burned during exercise. So eat or exercise activity thermogenesis, 10%. Okay. So, um, so yeah, our formal workouts and this is where we find people focusing a lot of their attention on, which is fine. But again, it's only 10%. It's a very small percentage. Um, so, you know, ways to increase this factor would be, you know, increasing your, your exercise, right? So slowly incorporating more formal exercise into your routine I mean, within reason, like up to five to six days a week. Yeah. Of course, if you're already at five to six days a week, we're not saying don't to add, add more. more. Yeah. But there's other ways that you can go about that then. You can, you know, increase your intensity, increase the weights, increase the reps, like challenge yourself. Like if you're using the same weight, the same reps as you were a year ago, you're that's... not challenging yourself. Yeah. And you're going to kind of plateau, not necessarily in terms of weight, but in terms of, you know, what what your strength is or, you know, your endurance or whatever you're working on. So, um, and there's a term like progressive overload that kind of relates to this, but it's, it's continuing to increase the intensity or, or volume. And so once you've kind of maxed out your workouts, that's kind of the next step to just continue to see success with this stuff. Get in the movement, get in the exercise. Yeah. Um, so that's a very small percentage. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. Um, so let's move on to the, to the next, next component, one. which actually makes up the same percentage of 10%. 10%. So another small chunk of the pie. Um, this is thermic effect of food or TEF, um, abbreviated. And this one's kind of tricky. Um, it's kind of like a, a mind blowing concept, but yeah. it refers to the energy burned or the energy that our body uses utilizes when we're digesting and absorbing our food so Which i feel like blow, will blow a lot of people's mind because it's uh, like the calories are coming in but, but it actually also... takes energy or calories to for our stomach and our intestines to break down our food if you think about like what our body does to get energy from our food it, it kind of makes sense that it it's going to take some energy to yeah i mean it's an entire outcome process yeah, yeah. Um, so this is kind of influenced by your macronutrient composition. Um, so your macronutrients are your proteins, your carbs, and your fats. And each one of those macros requires a different amount of energy to be digested and And absorbed by the body. Yeah. So some macronutrients essentially are, take a little bit more energy to digest and metabolize compared to others. So... Uh, protein is going to have the highest thermic effect, meaning that it takes the most energy for us to digest and absorb proteins. Um, that, that percentage, I don't know if we want to get into the percentage. It doesn't really matter, but essentially I think the biggest takeaway is knowing that protein has the highest thermic effect. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, we could just briefly talk about the percentages because it is a pretty significant difference. We're looking at like 20 to 30% here. 
Um, and we'll kind of get into the percentages of the other ones later just to kind of compare. Um, but it's pretty high. So eat your protein because yeah. it's one of the many out. reasons why, you know, having adequate protein is, is an important concept. Um, and so after protein, uh, carbs is kind of the next uh, mm-hmm. highest thermic effect um, with 5 to 15%. So it's literally half, like ha- yeah. at most, half at most of protein. Yeah. So a pretty big difference there. And then lastly, fats, which the thermic effect is 0 to 5%, which is, again, significantly smaller than um, both carbs and protein. Yeah. So... Um, so this kind of can, you know, show why different foods have different, you know, make you feel different ways, like, uh, in terms of energy and fullness, um, you know, like 500 calories of cookies or, you know, gummy bears is going to feel a lot different than 500 calories of a balanced meal with, you know, like rice, salmon, vegetables, avocado, like a balanced meal of that. Yeah. Um, so again, this, this topic is like very complex. We just kind of wanted to keep it simple. So ways to increase this component would just be simply eating enough food. Yep. Um, you know, the more food, technically the more food that you're eating, the more your digestive system is working, you know, again, within reason, um, to, to to digest and absorb and break down that food. Um, and then the one that, I recommend to pretty much all of my clients is eating more protein yeah. because we, most people are not eating enough protein as it is. Um, but this is a big one. This is something that's very simple, you know, switch that you could make that could have a pretty significant effect. Yeah. And I feel like we need an episode just talking about protein yeah. and like all of the benefits of like making sure you're getting enough. And this is just one of them, but one, it's, yeah. it's definitely, um, you know, something that we don't really think about, but it does have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to our next component here. Um, it's a little bit, makes a little bit more of our TDEE than the previous two. And that's going to be non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Say that 10 times. (laughs) (laughs) Also known as NEAT. So this is going to make up 20%, a little bit higher here, but what, what is NEAT? Yeah, so NEAT refers to, um, again, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it's essentially activity or movement that is not formal exercise. So this can include a lot of different things. Everything from, you know, just how many steps you're getting throughout the day, walking around, you know, walking around your house to and from your car, um, taking the stairs, doing yard work, cleaning, cleaning your house, even like fidgeting that falls yeah. under neat. Like yeah. any type if you're of a tapper, movement, yeah. um, that, that would contribute to neat. If you're talking um, with your hands, like we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if you work on your feet or have a physical job, for example, that's going to contribute more. And this is something that I think with the pandemic for a lot of people, their lifestyle change if if like you know they were commuting to work five days a week and now they're working from home neat for a lot of people in that situation took a big hit like you know that neat that output from walking to your car walking around the office that's not happening anymore and that's a pretty i mean 20 percent. that's a pretty significant significant yeah um and 
yeah, I mean, a lot of people have experienced weight gain during COVID. And I think that this is definitely a big contributor yeah. for, for certain people anyways. And um, I think because it's not movement, that's necessarily a formal workout. It, we tend to forget about it. We it, It's very much an underestimated component of our metabolism. And that's something I always, always say to everybody, clients, friends, family, everything. Like walking, going on walks is like the most underrated form of movement. Yeah. Um, it's something you can do anywhere, anytime. It's free. It's, and it may, it has a huge, you know, uh, a huge, what's, what's the word? An impact. Yeah. Like it, there's so much like bang for your buck that you're getting, yep. um, from incorporating more walking. And I think sometimes people might think, oh, you know, I'm already working out five days a week. So let me, you know, I'll work out for two hours. And, and it's like, that's when you kind of run into overtraining and things that aren't sustainable where you're actually going to get more out of the, you know, focusing on that, that neat. Um, because I think again, especially post COVID, um, I'll, I think a lot of us, myself included on some days, uh, can be active couch potatoes, yeah. which is when, you know, yeah, you're, you're working out, you're getting your workouts in, but you, you, your day to day, you're kind of on your butt, you know, like you're at sitting at a desk working. Um, and so just do not underestimate the power of neat and, and how much it really does contribute to um, yeah. your metabolism. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about it, like an hour workout, it doesn't matter. You have still have 23 hours in the day. Yeah. Like, bless you, bless Blue. You blue. Um, so it's, it's, you know, take advantage of that. Like, just keep your body moving. Yeah. Um, so, you know, ways to increase that. We kind of just went over that. Walking. I really like uh, setting a step goal. I set a step goal with a lot of my clients because that kind of sets, you know, uh, a, a goal to aim for that, you know, it still prioritizes movement, but it's not necessarily setting aside time to go to the gym yeah. or, you know, so it's like simple things like taking the stairs or parking further away or, you know, getting up and walking every hour, doing a lap around the office, something like that, that you're still Moving aiming for higher activity, but without needing to set aside an hour yeah. to, to kind of get that. So, and I think like, like our bodies, like humans are meant to to move like yep. we're, we're act, not meant we're to sit me no so all day um you know and and i we get that with you know working and if you have a desk job that sometimes it can be tough but your body you know metabolism aside you're you're gonna feel better physically and mentally if you know if you are sedentary if you work on increasing this neat you're gonna feel the impacts yeah yeah so i think that we kind of covered yeah so that's neat the, so now we're 40 very much under underestimated yeah um so now we've covered 40 percent of our daily total daily energy expenditure yep so neat with, being 20 percent, right yep then eat or the formal workouts at 10 percent, and then the thermic effect of food at another basically 10. our macros at 10 percent. which now we got 60 percent and one more component and it's a big one. It's a big one. So yeah. buckle up. saved the time for it. <laughs> so this is going to be, and I'm sure you have probably heard of this. Everybody's heard of this. Our BMR, our basal metabolic rate. 
Um, this is what makes up 60% of our total calorie burn throughout the day. Um, and this factor is the most misunderstood, but within, I mean, for good reason, right? Yeah. There are tons of factors that go into this component here. And we're going to kind of get into that. Yeah. So basal metabolic rate or BMR refers to the energy required for basically keeping our body alive. So all of our metabolic processes that are going on in our body when we're at complete rest. So it's essentially the number of calories that we burn just surviving, laying in bed, doing absolutely nothing. Like not even lifting long. a finger, no. like not fidgeting, nothing. Like a statue just laying in bed. Yep. If we were uh. completely bedridden. <laughs> so like no activity, nothing. Um, so, so like you're breathing, you yeah. know, like your heart pumping and getting oxygen to your tissues, like things that just really like we don't even think about and yeah. take for granted basically. Um, so this, uh, our BMR is that, what that number is, is dependent on a variety of factors and this is again has kind of the longest list of factors that go into it so um this could be its it's, own episode yeah it really is um and we you know we hope that this is making you guys think and sparking questions so if questions come up please reach out to us as we kind of go through this yeah don't be shy it's 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 a lot we had to really simplify things so yeah just some factors that go into BMR. That's going to be our body size and our body composition. So how much of our body is made up by muscle mass versus fat mass. Um, We're going to kind of get into this topic a little bit more next week. We have a good, a good episode on this. Um, But essentially the bigger the body, so the taller you are, the more you weigh, the, the higher your BMR. Right. Because it's more tissue to support. Yep. Um, And muscle is generally more, metabolically active so higher muscle mass is going to drive up bmr exactly um yep so other factors just to briefly touch upon it's going to be sleep stress if we have an injury or an illness um chronic dieting that's a huge one yep um which we're going to get into why how that affects your bmr but basically chronic dieting completely drastically down regulates your bmr decreases it yeah um Uh, hormonal factors medications our age sex um genetics there's a lot of factors a lot and probably some that aren't listed here but these are the big ones yeah and as you can see there are some which are in our control um and then some that are not but what we like to really focus on is what we can control yeah control your controllables yeah so we can't control the aging process we or cannot. we can't really change our height. Um, but focusing on other things like muscle mass, for example, or optimizing sleep and stress, um, not, you know, not being a chronic dieter, which I would bet that 80% of you probably are chronic dieters. Um, so these, uh, factors are just things to pay attention to. And we find that people focus again more on, how many calories did my workout burn today and they're not sleeping well or they're a ball of stress um and they're they're not you know they're just kind of focused on the wrong things when it's i mean the that's one sixth of this yeah like that makes up a tiny fraction of 
this when you should be really focusing on how to increase your BMR. Yeah. So um, if you've ever gotten, you know, like a body composition testing, like the in-body or the um, bod pod or anything, you'll probably see your BMR because um, those usually spew out those results too. Um, yep. This is kind of something that we see a lot of misconceptions over um, because it, it usually, I mean, like a healthy BMR, I'd say ranges anywhere 13, 14 to... Uh, I don't know, 13, 1400 to maybe 16, 1700. Yeah. Depending. Pretty common, pretty standard. And this is reflected in, in calories. So again, if you get that body composition testing done, you get a printout or something, it says, let's just say 1600 calories. So you see that number, you see calories, and then this is where people get confused and say, oh, so that's, that's, Oh, blue over there dropping <laughs> things. Um, so, um, you know, that's how many calories I should be eating, right? If it's if this report is spitting out this number. If I could, you know, if I had a penny for each time that I heard, oh, well, this is my BMR and I'm eating way more than this. So that's, I'm concerned. That's a bad thing, you know. Um, I should eat less than that. And this is something we, we really want to clarify in this episode. Um, because as we said, your BMR is the calories that it takes your body to just survive. Like yeah. you should never, ever be eating at or below your BMR. No. Ever. No. Because it, this is not your to- total daily energy expenditure, right? I think a lot of people get that confused. BMR versus TDEE. Right. Exactly. Right? Like BMR is a component of your TDEE along with the other factors that we just mentioned. Um. So... It's not your total daily energy expenditure. It is just a very small part. You should always be eating significantly more usually than your BMR. Um, And why do we recommend this? A lot of reasons. And um, like, let's let's get into these reasons. Yeah. So (laughs) eating below your BMR is going to have a negative impact on your body. So... Um, essentially those physiological functions that are just keeping you alive, if you're not giving your body the energy, you know, the, the calories to at least meet that need over time, your body is going to downregulate these processes in your body. And essentially it starts with things that are not essential for survival. Um, and so it's, it's downregulating these processes to essentially compensate for low calorie intake and what this might look like could be you know digestion issues it could you know um down regulate your gi function yep hormone irregularities so you know your hormone production um and you know a lot of people who have under eaten for a long time they'll say like i have no sex drive yeah well that's in relation to like your sex hormone production is not working yeah optimally. It's that's like a big factor it's like if you do not have a sex drive something's up red flag um and you know also along that that point um a lot of you know if you're um you know have like a menstrual cycle and you're under eating 
over time what can happen as part of this down regulation process is a loss of period um big red flag or uh red s relative energy deficiency in sport used to be referred to as female athlete triad um that is a red flag if you lose your period um you know whether it's caused by this or something else but with athletes and active women a loss of period is a sign that you are under fueling really bad like and that's a whole again a whole nother episode but a lot of health issues can come from that yeah um you know like osteoporosis a lot of issues down the road that's going to affect your your quality of life so if and i've heard athletes actually think that this is a good thing yeah losing their cycles yeah like oh it's it's good it means oh I'm... it's it's normal for athletes you know like, like no no big red flag it is your body essentially screaming at you that it's, something's off yeah um you know other things thinning hair uh, increased injuries um or like not recovering from injuries or if you get a cut and it takes a really really long time to heal um that can be you know another red flag um so just things to look out for and things that I think are more common than than we might think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if these processes are not working properly, then your body does not have enough calories to... The, the, that's the reason why, because your body doesn't have enough doesn't calories to have doesn't have the energy to, to, to make the sex hormones or to have healthy hair or to regenerate the tissue to heal that cut. Um, and so again, just, we want to be really careful. Um, and this is why eating below your BMR is, is in the short term and in the long term, not in your best interest at all. Ever. Ever, ever, right. ever. Cause our bodies are really, really, really good at adapting to what it's given. What we give right? it. Yeah. is the so environment. When we restrict calories for a long time, eventually our body's like, all right, this is all that I'm getting, so I need to make this work. It is a survival tactic. Yeah. Our bodies do what, what we need to to survive. So if that means, you know, messing up all of these other processes, then so be it. It doesn't yeah. care. It's just yeah. trying to keep you alive. But it's just not ideal for general health, general well-being. You feel... <laughs> You're going to suffer from, like, from it, again, physically and mentally, both in the short term and the long term. Um, you're probably not going, like if you're doing, if you're under eating or eating below your BMR for the sake of, of weight loss, like it's not going to be sustainable. We're looking at you 1200 calorie diets. Like, no, 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 no. no. So you're just not optimizing your body's potential. Um, and you're doing a lot of long, long term damage. damage. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent and, that's what under eating yeah. does. Oh, 100%. It's, you're wasting your talent. You're not optimizing what your body and mind can do. And that's a sad thing. It is sad. Um, it's from the movie A Bronx Tale. I um, like it. It's an I epic like. movie if you haven't seen it. I like it. <laughs> it's so true though. Um, it's just it's just not ideal. So please just never eat below or even at your BMR. Yeah. Ever. No. <laughs> take that away. If you're gonna take anything out from that this, is it. Take that. Um, so like the others, we're going to kind of just discuss ways to increase your BMR. Um, and you know, starting with body composition, um, this is a big one. So increasing your muscle mass, that alone is going to have a pretty significant effect on this. On your BMR. Yeah. Yeah. And, Um, you know, I think, 
after after about the age of 30 our body tends to break down muscle and we tend to lose muscle mass over time if especially if we aren't uh, resistance training eating enough calories and or eating enough protein so making sure that you're focused on either building muscle or maintaining muscle mass it's a must is essential for essentially keeping your bmr you know up or elevated and with any increase in muscle mass it's going to increase your bmr as well yep and in order to increase our muscle mass we need to make sure that we're eating enough food right i mean chronic dieting starvation you're not going to build muscle on you need the building blocks right exactly so if those building blocks aren't coming in because you're eating 1200 calories then there's there's nothing there's no material for your body to utilize to build that muscle so it's just not going to happen and with that chronic dieting you're actually going to break down muscle and that's going to it's like you a know, double whammy it's, it's the opposite effect it's going to drive down your bmr if you're breaking down muscle yep muscle breakdown is like the saddest thing muscle that's wasted breakdown. talent it's, it's, it's wasted so talent. sad and it's you know again our bodies tend to break it down as we get older so you know being able just being aware of that and doing what we can to mitigate that um, is going to do amazing things, not just for your metabolism, but your quality of life and like what you're able to do as we get older in age. Yeah. And I think that that's um, a good point to bring up is, did you, you read that study that came out, I think last year uh, or two years ago about aging metabolism. and metabolism. Yeah. I found it so interesting. So there was a study conducted that looked at um, metabolism over the lifespan and you know you say like we start losing muscle mass around 30 and that's when the the i've heard so many times oh my metabolism slows after 30 you know it just after 30 you're doomed um and this study looked at metabolism from i think it was like age zero to age 90 in in the 90s i believe um and it showed that it remained steady from zero uh sorry from 20 to 60. yeah steady um, and that the, the factors that contributed into a slowing metabolism were, um, you know, like like organ function decreasing or muscle mass decreasing, which we see all the time in that 20 to, to 60 age yeah. range, right? You're losing muscle as it is. And if you're not prioritizing strength training, resistance training, you're not maintaining or building that muscle, which is decreasing your metabolism you're just gonna see that decrease yeah over time so it doesn't need to slow it doesn't it doesn't need to slow after the age of 30 you need to just again build these build these behaviors and that can allow you to keep it up and make and you know again build maintain that muscle and i found even it was after uh 60 from 60 to 90 it was like the slightest decrease yeah like it's not your metabolism doesn't just drop yeah all of these factors play into that and you have control over a lot of these factors yeah it's Um, like an orchestra with all these different instruments it is like it's yeah there's a lot to it yeah and it it's uh so yeah the moral of that is that it metabolism slows due to lifestyle changes your most people become less active losing muscle because they're not strength training um and it's just a different lifestyle they had when they were younger so yeah so muscle mass is obviously a big one. Again, that could be a whole episode in and of itself. Um, other ways to optimize or increase your BMR 
uh, would be tackling sleep and stress. This is another huge one that is so underrated and people don't realize that sleep and stress really do have an impact on our metabolism. And, you know, they think, yeah, yeah, I get that. But like, it really does. Yeah. And again, it's it's impacting your BMR um, and also impacting other things that contribute to calories in. Again, a whole other, a whole other uh, episode. episode. But a lot of people that we meet with are not sleeping well, not getting adequate sleep. They're stressed, you know, chronically, and they're not doing anything about it. They're not taking care of themselves. So, um, again, if that's you, instead of, you know, going for this uh, 1,200-calorie meal plan or something like that, you don't need that. Right, especially if you're running on four hours of sleep. Yeah, like you need to fuel your body, Mm -hmm. and you need to address the actual underlying issue, which is, you know, the fact that you're chronically stressed or you're not sleeping well, or sometimes both. Yeah. So um, do not underestimate the power of those two things. Um, You know, another way to increase it, and this goes just for for some, if you have any hormonal issues, addressing that. Yeah. Um, Not getting too much into that, because that's very specific but clinical um, yeah yeah. but you know if if you have gotten tested and these levels are off then addressing what you need to do to uh normalize those values would be recommended for example like thyroid level Mm -hmm. you know if that's um out of control the metabolism regulator right there yes yeah um and then you know we we touched upon it as we've we've gone along but um just making sure that you aren't a chronic dieter that you're not falling into that trap of that down-regulated metabolism so making sure that you are eating enough that you're not fad dieting and um you know you're really fueling your body and this is something we help you know our clients with is a lot of the time they start out and they think they're overeating um but a lot of the times they're under just you know they're under fueled chronically for i mean years and decades sometimes a a good way to kind of you know think about think about this is if you feel that you're at a place where i'm eating minimally you know i'm working out as much as i can and i'm plateaued like i can't do anything else then that's a good kind of sign that you're just not eating enough right i mean if you're eating the 1200 calories like there's nowhere to go from there no you're in the basement yeah so don't do it and don't if you if you are there you know work with a dietitian to help you help pull yourself out of that because yeah. that can be a very uncomfortable and scary process the process of eating more food when you're so yeah. used to eating minimal food um and you know like we're here to help you i help clients with that all the time yeah yeah it's more common than we think um so reach out to one of us for support reach out work with a dietitian to help you with this you don't have to go through it alone because it is definitely it's a bit tricky it's confusing it's a lot of things and it takes like none of these ways that we talked about to increase metabolism is quick like no we're it's talking not overnight like months to years you're not gonna get a good night's sleep and check the sleep <laughs> box okay you really have to it's it's lifestyle changes so that you can not just optimize that in the short term but 
you know, be able to, to sustain that long term. Yep. And yeah, it, that takes time and it that's time and effort. And there, that's the hardest part, right? Yeah. Is that consistency with, with effort and, um, the patience factor, you know, of, you know, knowing that it's not, you're not going to necessarily see direct results from it after a week of implementation. And, you know, the longer that you do these, you know, practice these habits that are down-regulating your metabolism, the longer it's going to take to restore to it rebuild. and get it back up. So, um, like we said, we're talking months, if not years. years. So, um, but it's worth it because those months and years are going to go by anyway. So, yeah. and again, you want to optimize your potential as a human and have the most quality of life. And also it's a lot easier to meet your nutritional needs when you are eating more calories and like getting the vitamins and nutrients that your body needs. So, um, you're, you're just going to see so many benefits physically and and feel so many. Yeah. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people think they're feeling good and then, you know, we increase calories and they're like, Oh, this is what feeling good feels yeah. like. I thought I was feeling good, but no. No. Because like, they're actually getting the calories and nutrients that their body needs to yeah. optimally function. And you're yeah. like, yes. You this know, this is what it's like. You know, you don't have to feel like shit all the time. Yep. I've had clients say, Oh, my my face doesn't hurt when I'm working out anymore. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh. Like, no, or um, you know, migraines going away or you know, aches and pains improving, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it really has, it's a powerful thing for your quality of life and how good you can really feel. Absolutely. And not to mention, you know, you eating more, eating enough, it's going to give you more energy to push it in your workouts. You're yes. going to, it's a cycle, right? Great like point. you're going yeah. to be able to push harder, you know, give more intensity to these workouts. And that is going to, Equal more muscle mass. And it's it's like a positive snowball effect Mm -hmm. um, instead of that, you know, kind of the negative one that so many people are are caught up in. And, you know, in in terms that people may relate to, if you have more energy to give in your workouts, technically you're going to burn more calories, right? Yeah. Because you're giving more intensity. You're able to move faster. You're stronger. You're able, your body's able to actually do what it needs to do to crush a workout. So... Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors here. There, You're going to recover quicker. So then you're going to be able to show up more again, more muscle mass. Like there's just so much good that can come out of it. It's a positive cycle for sure. We're here Um, for it. So, you know, like with all these variables, how do I calculate my TDEE or, you know, like how many calories I burn in a day, right? It's a question that we get all the time and that I'm sure you're wondering after we just went over this. Um, and that's an answer, you know, we don't know a hundred percent for sure. Um, but there are a lot of, uh, there are some equations that we can use to best estimate these, these calorie values. Yeah. And we're not talking about a random macro calculator that you found on Google or anything like that. Um, but there are formulas that are evidence-based and backed by research to be, um, you know, pretty darn accurate at estimating that uh, TDEE or total daily energy expenditure or calorie burn. Um, and so for general healthy populations, we um, we use a formula called the Mifflin St. Jor. 
um, probably probably some <laughs> random scientist that, yep. that uh, came up with it somehow. Um, but this is what is utilized to calculate someone's BMR. And again, this is an estimation. So um, it gets pretty darn close typically, but there sure is going to be, you know, some margin of error. Um, and this takes into account, you know, your age, your weight, your height, your gender, a lot of individual Factors. factors yeah um and like laura just said so that's to calculate your bmr and which we, is just that at rest that's 60 yep. percent of tdee um but then you need to apply an activity factor and there's a list of the activity factors if you look up the mifflin st jor equation that you can use depending on how active you are throughout the day um again it's like a very complicated i know topic um but basically this activity factor is going to it's like a multiplier yeah um you're going to multiply your bmr by this activity factor to get your total daily expenditure yeah and an activity factor typically ranges from like 1.2 which is sedentary to like up to like 1.9 which is like marathon training yeah um and so that's that's the multiplier. So again, but BMR alone, even not enough. Sedentary, there's an activity factor. Yeah, like even somebody who just no workouts, no. on the couch, not a ton of you know you're walking or knee or anything like that. You're still eating above your BMR. There's still a multiplier. Yeah. So again, that's that's like a pretty complicated uh, topic, but and something you should be working with a dietitian to yeah, figure that's out. That's what we and, went to school for a million know, years that's, for. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And again, I feel like we do just need to touch upon this because so many people focus on that BMR. If you are deciding to like enter a calorie deficit, the it's the TDEE. This this number that we're getting from the you know BMR and the activity factor that we're basing this calorie deficit off of, exactly. not your BMR. So, exactly. you know, a lot of times people are like, you know, plus or minus or a surplus, either one, if your weight gain is the goal too. Plus or minus 500 is a pretty common thing that we hear. That's yep. off of your TDEE. That's never Not off of your BMR. BMR. Yeah. Um, Very so, important. Yeah, that's that's a big one. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we, we really encourage you to reach out to a dietitian if this is something that, you know, you kind of want to figure out and – and work towards because that's what we help our clients with every day. Yeah. And we wanted to give this, again, crash course on metabolism, but there's certainly a lot to it. It takes time, you know, and practice and effort. Effort. And, you know, that's what we're here for. So if you have questions, need clarification, want us to do like kind of a part two deep dive in another episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. We love when, you know, you guys let us know that you're listening. Um, so feel free to reach out with any questions on this stuff. Yeah, we're here to help and stay tuned for our next week's episode. Uh, should we tell them what it's about instead of a little, little teaser? Yeah, a little teaser. Why not? Because so it's a good one. It is a good one. A very common question I think we both get and that is, hmm, do I do or what's better, cardio or strength Strength training. training. Which one, which one, what's better? And, and we're going to leave it at that. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for our answer. It might shock you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>